Sunday rap hard. Sit on no fun in their squad. Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are back in the Vortex. This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is AJ. I'm in here with the full squizzard, Eve A. Sizzle, and even Tina's with us. Yay, yay. As always, you can ingest this wonderful podcast where podcasts are disseminated. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our website, of course. Please go to our website because I'm working hard right now. So shout out again to SoundCloud. We are transitioning off that platform. No offense to SoundCloud, but, you know, just got to make some things do what it do. So we want to keep you in our ecosystem. Yeah. So that is divemedia.co, divemedia.co. And hit us up on the socials. That is at This Is Dive Media on all platforms, at This Is Dive Media. And I can be reached at Divinimous, D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S. I am at E to the V to the on Insta and on Twitter. Yeah, you can check me out at a averygoodidea.com. Yeah. And you can find me at Tina Clarice on Twitter and IG. Yeah, yeah. So we are in. I want to give a special plug to the people over at Rode. We're using a dope new device. It's called the Rodecaster. So if my voice sounds extra crispy and sensuous and sultry and all those things, you don't don't need need all all of that? All right. You don't need any of that. Anyway, we are graduated in the in the words of the great philosopher A. Sizzle. I'm out the ghetto now and I'm I'm actually in the I'm I'm using suburb this is suburb material. Anyway. So what's up folks? We are we are here to to get it in. We want to just chop it up. We would love to make the small talk and the banter, but we got a we got a real heavy, 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 heavy uh situation going on here. So we want to jump right into it. You all know that we are in the midst of uh, all types of shenanigans in the culture. Um there's all type of stuff going on. We don't want to get into any specific thing. But, you know, in some of the stuff that I've been reading and watching over the past, I'd say past few months, um, it's it's led me to some different conclusions. Um, and some, you know, may, may piss some folk off. And, you know, and that's fine. You know, we are equal opportunity employer here at ATI. Um, I feel like a lot of what we're seeing in, in the culture and in society in general you know, I believe that the 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 saints fall for the okie doke in thinking that these issues are theological, right? So you you'll hear responses like, "Oh, come on, man, just preach the gospel, just preach the gospel," right? Or God loves everybody; He loves you, me, him, Jim, and Slim, and right? And Shim, <laughs> but. I don't think that was ever really in, you know, like in question, right? Because uh, a lot of the the people who may be uh, perpetuating some of these atrocities, we'll just leave it there, right? They will also claim faith in Christ. They will claim faith in the most high God and yet still move to perpetuate um, atrocities. And I think the the easy way out, would just to be like, well, the Bible says that there are, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing, so, you know, we just kind of wash our hands. But I think to not want to dive a little bit deeper into some of these things, I think is a little naive on our part and probably a little ignorant to 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 not realize that, you know, Satan eats of the dust of the ground. 
right? The enemy was cursed in Genesis that all of his days he will eat of the dust of the ground. And if you look at that both figuratively and literally, you understand that we were made of the dust of the ground. This flesh was made of the dust of the ground. And the scripture tells us in the New Testament that if you sow to this flesh, you will reap of this flesh. And I feel like we've been allowing him to feast on the, the behavior and the actions of us being culturally ignorant. Wait a second. So what are you saying? First, you started off talking Ooh. about. First okay, she, she already, she in grill. By the way, e-, e Zealous is in studio, folks. That's why she's guns are blazing. So, so first, she started off talking about certain things are not theological, but mm-hmm. they're, but they're actually ideological. And now you're talking about Satan. Help me out here. Well, you have to be able to, and forgive me for some of these addresses, folks, because I didn't, I didn't pull up these addresses in, in scripture. But the scripture says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And then it says it is able to slice or separate what is of the soul, soulish, natural, and what is of the spirit, right? And so I think that's what we have to be able to use the word of God to do is to say, hey, these things are of a natural origin and these things are not, right? So that's the point that I'm trying to make. And I think that when we... When we don't do that and we just kind of lump everything into like a spiritual thingamajig, that's a technical term. I think it's Hebrews, the fourth. Is it okay? It's Hebrews. 16 around there. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. If it's Hebrews, y'all could could go back and fact check your boy, but I know that it's in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But anyway, the, the point is saying is that a lot of these things that I think, that I believe personally, and I would love to get you guys' thoughts, are ideological and cultural essentially of natural origin as opposed to things that are spiritual of a spiritual origin and, and causing some of the friction and some of the tension that we see going on in, in the culture. So what, what are you guys thoughts on that? The first thought that comes to mind is uh, Jamar Tisby's work, uh, color of compromise, which I think came out earlier this year. And even though it's relatively surface, it gets into the history of America paralleled with the history of the church's response to the atrocities that you're talking about. And one thing that I find really interesting before I pass the baton is that when you say that the church has been saying, just preach the gospel, that has been the retort since the 1600s. And so one of the challenges that is that we live at this particular time in this juncture, and if you're a person who allows yourself to be conditioned by the popular Uh, theologians and by your pastor and other people concerning how you should view what's going on in the contemporary life, then you'll say the same thing. Just preach the gospel, no matter who you are or what part of society you are or how marginalized you've been. But this has been a pattern. And if you wouldn't, if you would say uh, preach the gospel now and stop talking about all these ancillary issues, because we as believers should be talking about the gospel, then the, the, the ancestors of these same people in the 1860s, we're saying the same thing about uh, the peculiar institution or slavery. And that's where all those church splits happened uh, in the middle and the end of that century about that particular topic, slavery, right? In which some people said we shouldn't even be talking about how we're treating people created in the image of God. No, we should be talking about the gospel. We should deliver a few verses from the New Testament to them and then let politics continue as is and not even deal with issues of, of human trafficking and things that, of course, 
are bigger than than they were making it at the time. And then even before then, during the colonial era, the question was, should we just preach the gospel? And what is the gospel? And what's going on in society? And whether or not that's aligned with how we manifest the way the gospel is expressed in today's times. So we should kind of look at things in context. By the way, folks, we are gonna we 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 want to do a book study of Jamar Tisby's book. So shout out to Jamar Tisby. I actually got that book too. If you listen to our podcast, at some point we are gonna be doing that. Oh, and I forgot to throw out we got a Telegram. Jump on Telegram. But anyway, what what are your thoughts? Hey, because I, I I got a couple of definitions, Tina. If you got any thoughts, I got a couple of definitions I want to read, and then I want to you know volley this over to you guys because when you look up the word culture and you look up the word ideology, right? Our friends over at Merriam-Webster, they, they make it a point to define words for us. Um, and culture, I want I wanna, I, like, I want everybody to see the definition, or at least hear it, and see the similarities between these two words. So a culture is a customary belief, social forms, and material traits of any racial, religious, or social group, right? Look at the definition of the word ideology, a set of doctrines or beliefs that are shared by a social group that form the basis of their political, economic, or any other system. So I want you to, to realize that none of that yet even jumps into the spiritual part. We're just talking about any social group that has a particular framework of thoughts and beliefs and principles form an ideology and they also form the framework of their particular culture so we have to sort of parse through that first before we try to slap on you know jesus talk you know what i'm saying okay um yeah so i i think um in taking a step back it is you know when you talk about that the the jesus framework i guess slapped on top of it i think we really have to consider um we democracy and just the question of how, whether and how much um, biblical beliefs should be uh, transposed and reflected in our uh, laws. How much should uh, the Bible and scriptures and God's governance be reflected in our culture and how we shape our culture with our laws? Now, if we make the you know decision and notion that. Uh, biblical principles and the like should be influenced. And that's a part of our role as a body of Christ and believers here, you know, in the United States, if, if we believe that that should be reflected in our governance structure, um, then I think you have to come back to some of the biblical scriptures around religion where, you know, James one twenty seven outlines it as religion that God, our father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So when you even look at that passage in particular, it automatically goes back to how we are caring for and looking out for some of the most vulnerable in our society. And I don't think that we can just assign that to being cultural or that it's disconnected from the gospel. And that's just one of many passages in scripture uh, where you're talking about addressing physical human needs. Even Christ, uh, oftentimes he would tie the spiritual to the physical and natural. Someone had a physical need, whether it's the, the water into wine or the woman with the issue of blood or uh, the, the ruler uh, with the sick child, etc. There's always some physical or natural need that is being met by Christ as a means to communicate a spiritual principle. 
And I don't think we can divorce the two if, again, we are of the notion that our values and beliefs from a biblical perspective should be influencing how this democracy um, uh, unfolds and the type of laws that we should have governing our country. But Tina, it is being divorced. That's the thing. It's like you have people who will say they read the Bible, but on the other hand, they will say what you mentioned is the social gospel. Even though somebody actually did a count throughout scripture and found that justice is mentioned more than even salvation. But then they will turn that around. So what is your explanation for why people who read the Bible on a daily basis would miss, would have a blind spot that severe? Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's where the the notion of ideology uh, comes in. I, I think that too often, you know, we're trying to make it seem like we're Um, pushing a certain agenda on a theological, biblical basis uh, when we've only taken a subset of what we, I mean, the Bible can be used to justify almost anything. I mean, if you were to take this just subsets and scriptures, that's why all these movies and all of that have all these crazy people that are always quoting some scripture, right? Uh, And even in real life, you know, people are quoting some, you know, scripture to justify some whack evil you know, action. And it's the same thing. Um, you know, when you use the Bible in that way to, as a tool for ideology, instead of using the Bible as a tool for carrying out the gospel or from a theological perspective, I think that's exactly where you arrive. And and you can, again, you, you can justify almost any ideology <laughs> using select scriptures uh, in isolation. Um, and I think that that's the danger as well of, of, uh, using scripture, divorce from relationship with the God of scripture. Um, it's, it's just a powerful tool and it's a weapon. Like any weapon, people aren't pop- properly trained in it, don't understand it, et cetera. It, it, it hurts people, right? People die, people are killed, they're compromised. That, that's my perspective. Were you going to say something, Avery? Yeah, well, my view, my, thank you, Tina. Um, my view about it is that I, I, I think that according to according to uh, what the Bible puts out there, uh, the amount of people who are actually actually uh, saved or going to be saved is pretty small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and which is counter which is counter counter the narrative of Christianity being the most popular world religion. Um. And um, I always make that distinction that uh, I don't like the term Christianity. I think it's a, I think it's a uh, political term, mm. and um, it comes out of the Catholic Church. And this concept of the church and um, the church, I'm talking about. I'm talking. Like there's this there's this term church used that's taken from the Bible, and then it's used to pretty much like cover, uh, cover political strategy that is unsavory, and this idea of the church being com- being uh, what is the word complicit or just standing idly by. I, 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 while I believe that there are individuals or maybe small groups of people or collections of people that did that, I actually put forth, I suggest, um, that there was no completion. The, the, um, the institutional church or the, the, um, the, the, those who would 
labeled themselves as that or or held that hat. I'm saying as recognized by uh, certain Western governments, right? I'm not talking about a term in which that an individual or group of people would just identify themselves as, like as the church. I'm talking about like a stated, written down group recognized by entities as the church are not just complicit, but they were a part of, they held a role in yeah. colonization. Definitely. Right, right. Because their their role was essentially to to help civilize. Their role was to help the census by growing um by growing citizens within a particular um uh kingdom. And so I, so the the problem though is that, that that distinction and that history is not really talked about. And so what happens is, is that people end up throwing out the baby with the bathwater and there's this claim of righteousness under this term of uh Christianity. And um the Bible doesn't use the term Christianity. Now we can split hairs and about what that really means and whatnot. But um and I'm not saying that Christians aren't saved, but I it, it I'm not saying that they are either. I'm saying that it is it has nothing to do with the label, it has everything to do with people's behavior and has everything to do with people's convictions and how they act and who the father actually has in his hand. So I say all that to say, um, or or Jesus who who he has in his hand or whoever. The remnant basically. Yeah. So um but but I say that then I say that then to say that if we were to if we were to then view the world uh, in that light, mm. then there would be a lot less expectation for the rulers of this world to not be hypocritical. You, wait, or wait. To not, hmm? Do you think that, so you you mentioned something back in colonial era where mm -hmm. where there was the, the church was complicit with the people who were actually trying to conquer lands and mm -hmm. settle them for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. But do you see the same parallel going on now? Do you see the church being yeah, complicit? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, AJ, you want to say something? No, I was going to say, I was just going to agree. Yeah, I think yeah. as long as the church has been a structure. Yeah, not a and, not a called out group of people, but right. the, from the moment it became a structure, yeah. and I've given you guys some of the background before we've talked about the origin of that word. I think from the moment it became a structure, it became complicit. So I would oh, agree well, with yeah, that. And that yeah. moment was a very long time ago, right? Around the, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Around around the the, the year three hundred. So that was a very 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 yeah. long time ago. Uh, but fast forwarding it to today, and people are like, "Well, what do we do now? Who do we vote for?" and, and all of that. <laughs> And my my view, I'm. I, Y'all see I, the debate? You, you flip oh, a I, um, oh, yeah, no. So, so my view, my view, just fast. Whether it's not even who we vote for, right? Because I'm not trying to make it political, but right. when it gets to the whole, uh, like where this country is going and all of that stuff, I would suggest, I w I would suggest that uh, we're we're seeing a a great 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 fallout that's taking place. And a lot of people really just don't. They, I don't think a lot of people have the ears to hear or the eyes to see. Oh, yeah, of course that not. Yeah. This this country might not even be around, like it at, at in the in the near future. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of there, there are a lot of things going uh, going on that is not really spoken spoken about, uh, and many of us just kind of like don't 
we, we, we can't really, we don't focus on those higher level things because um, it, I mean, quite frankly, it's either scary or again, people just don't have the ears to hear. And, and, and to that, I actually put the, I put the onus on the teachers because so many people are uh, out here in these churches now moving to the institutions is that uh, they don't necessarily focus on being uh, called out. They don't focus on that. They do focus on like a lot of the, a lot of the things that are important, Tina, uh, the, the widows, the orphans, the, the charity, the donations, the food, providing food during this time. But as you're saying, Tina, like that's a part of it. That's not the whole thing. That's meeting people's physical needs, but then you have to meet people's spiritual needs. Now people then, people then provide their spiritual needs with like the gospel. And I think that that's a great thing. But um, I have to say that as, as long as I've been walking, um, I do go back to appreciation of my salvation. But as I walk, I personally need something more than just putting my faith in, in Christ to understand what's happening in front of me. I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me right, right now. And I need to understand what's happening to me right now. And I don't want to be muzzled with like, oh, like with dogma, dogma. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. well, if you go back to to, to Tina's point mm. and, you know, it actually reminds me of a book that I, you know, was reading a while back and it's by Jonathan Walton. And it's it's called The Twelve Lies That Hold America Captive. And the first chapter of the book because he, he goes through literally like 12 lies. But one of the chapters is, um, and each chapter is based on a lie. And so uh, the first, I think the first to second chapter, he says he'll state the lie and then he'll go why it holds us captive. And one of them was that America is a Christian nation. Okay. Like that's a lie mm-hmm. that holds us captive because we believe that the United States is a quote-unquote Christian nation. Uh So we go through all of these gyrations to try to get back to some core value. Exactly. Back to something that never existed. That doesn't exist. And so his, his conclusion was that like, what, what this country actually has is some kind of American folk religion that has aspects of Christianity, aspects of this, that, and the other. And it's kind of all a conglomerate and it creates this new thing that actually isn't, uh, you know the the faith of the Bible, and so I, I just say all that to say because that's a very good point that Tina brings up. It's like when we when you hear politicians or when you hear any you know celebrity or anybody in the public square, and they'll make declarations that seem quote unquote to be based on the Bible. It's almost like why are you mentioning that in this forum? Because if that was the case, then you could list a litany of things that you wouldn't be doing. If it was mm-hmm. focused on the Bible, if we're talking Bible, we're not just talking exactly. about this one thing. We would go, let's go through the entire list. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that, that I think is why you have to realize, okay, as a believer, am I going to be a chaplain for the empire or am I going to be a revolutionary? We can't be both. Right. Cause like you, like you mentioned, there were chaplains on slave ships. Like the, the the Catholic Church was complicit in the Crusades. Like there, you can just go back, and so essentially, when the church became an institution, right? When it became a structure, it made its decision. It it made its decision with the Edict of Milan. It said, you know what? We would rather substitute our power because we already had power. They just didn't realize it. 
because mm-hmm. the only institution that was continuing to expand amongst Roman persecution, you can go back and study this, was the Christian church. And I use that term loosely, right? The, the Ecclesia of God sure. was the only cultural group that was continuing to expand rapidly despite ardent Roman persecution. Constantine didn't approach the Christian church just because he was feeling good. He realized these cats are expanding despite our persecution, right? They're not retracting. They are exploding, right? They're using the Roman Empire to advance the the kingdom of God. How do I... Tether myself to that. No, no. How do I squelch it? Not tether because when you make the church a structure, you actually squelch it, Mm. right? Because they were trying to squelch it. And persecution wasn't working because Christ told them how to deal with persecution. Don't love your lives, right? Don't love your lives. So when you tell people don't love your lives, right? Hebrews 12 tells them they was getting chopped in half and thrown to lions. And you can even see you. You can even see the parallel to that in um, when you go back to the the, to the Hebrew Bible, the um, the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And you see even with um, when the Hebrews were being persecuted by Pharaoh Mm -hmm. and his concern was that uh, they were growing out of control. And just all throughout the scripture, when you see the Hebrews like under, uh, under great persecution, uh, they multiply, they multiply, they keep growing. Right. So exactly. So I think that when you have this nation now with all this stuff going on and what honestly, and, you know, I would love to know your thoughts on this. What you, what I see now personally, and I tell this because I know a lot of guys who are church leaders because you guys have heard my story before. So I still know a lot of guys who are church leaders. Mm-hmm. And when we talk, I'll tell them all the time, what you're seeing right now is how irrelevant the church is, right? Because what the church is having to do now is to clip its wagon to all these other movements that are rolling, Mm -hmm. right? So you have the segment of the church that's clipping their wagon to the Black Lives Matter movement. Or you have the one section of the church that's clipping their wagon to the extreme right-wing movement, right? Blue Lives Matter. Or the Blue Lives Matter. I mean, you could go down again. You could go down. But what you see is these secular people are like, we don't really need the church. We're doing our thing regardless, you can get with us or you can get left. And that's what you're seeing. And so I tell guys all the time, man, what you're seeing is essentially the church is irrelevant. It's literally irrelevant. You guys are having to run behind the other movements now like, yo, can can, can I roll with you? Can, can, can I ride with y'all? Mm-hmm. And that's left or right wing when you talk about, you know, political ideology. But let's same let's sort of bring bird, right? that's same like bird. Uh, same bird, right? Different wings, same bird. Yeah, there you go. Good that's, point. That's like popsicle at the end of class act. Taking it back. Yeah, popsicle played by Dougie Doug. Uh class act that movie with Kid and Play. Yeah, I remember that joint. And at the end of the movie, he came up to Kid and Play, um, which was like Duncan Pendy Hughes and Blade Brown. He said, can I be cool with you? Can I run with you? Can I be down with you? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all love messing with these young folks using these millennial references. They, they're they not going to know these Gen X references. That was a great movie. I saw the movie theater. Yeah, that was early 90s kid and play. They were really good rappers. I think it was like 93. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I wanted to also uh, just throw out there, as far as the Hebrews go, they were also chastised for conjoining themselves yes. with, uh, with the, with, with, with the uh, dominant, dominant culture and with wherein in which they resided they were constantly called to um to not follow after the 
the other deities, the other gods to mm-hmm. not necessarily intermarry. Um, and yeah, so I just wanted to point that out and bring that to where we are today and using that as an example of this desire to wed ourselves with um, the, the worldly system and these worldly ways is, I think, counterintuitive. That's to, a good point. We wed ourselves to these that's a good point so my understanding of your initial um point the driving force behind this episode is you seem to be saying that um we're looking at what's going on today in society and the church quote unquote the people who claim to believe Mm -hmm. in this bible Mm -hmm. um instead of of uh looking through the lens of the of biblical scripture the church is um interpreting what's happening through the lens of ideology, but go. claiming that it's through the lens of biblical scripture. I think, I mean, and, well, and I think Tina hit it on it on the head. And now let me, let me throw up this alley-oop for you, Tina, because I think you mentioned that we could use the Bible to justify any ideology. And so I think that's what people are doing. They have their ideology based on their group of people, whatever that group is. I'm not picking out any one particular group. But they have their ideology, and then what they'll do is, where in the scripture can I justify this ideology? But the ideology did not originate from a spiritual origin. You see what I'm saying? I need some other examples, though. Do you have some, Tina? Yeah, I do. So, you know, when we talk about, um, you'll hear You'll be calling out some people is what you say. um, (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna yeah, there's no yeah. So we hear this term like abomination like thrown out, right? Like this the the uh political slash, you know, institutional church kind of term around uh, abomination related to um, you know, decisions around sexuality, right? So sexuality, we can look at very broadly, uh, but we hear that term like that's an abomination, that's an abomination, right? And um you know, the thing about it is if you go to Proverbs um, 6, verses 16 through 19, there's an outline of six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. You know, so if we want to stick with this term abomination, and he outlines haughty eyes, that's one, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. And so if you look at that list, those are abominations. These are things that God hates and these are abominations. But how do you build a political base around these things, right? <laughs> Politics inherently mm-hmm. involves, uh, in, in terms of the way we've seen it play out, wicked plans, um, lying tongues, uh, haughty eyes, uh, all kinds of strife, political uh, divisions. Right. Um, you know, so... Yeah. How do you build a political base That's around really these types of abominations? You can't really. And so these are why we don't see a full adherence to scripture and a full scope of inclusion around what God considers an abomination. We cherry pick where the scripture says abomination attached to specific things that we can build a political base around and then start foot stomping that. And that's how the ideologies are moved forward in, nice. in that capacity in that way. 
That's a good point, but sister, I'm gonna need you to define haughty. Can you uh, give the folks? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like pride, you know, like mm. that's that's having this elitism type yeah. of attitude, and we see that that's the root of even you know white supremacy is this notion and this attitude, um, or or just extreme self interest. I'm not even gonna limit it to white supremacy, but extreme self interest. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, doesn't affect me and mine, so. What's the problem? Right. And I feel like that that's that's a part of the, the core and the ideology, like here in this country that that we see developing. Tina, it's like you're going to mm-hmm. have to send me that. Whatever you said, that was good. <laughs> that Proverbs six thing. I want to I want to make okay. a video about that. So, um, OK, I'm, OK. I'm, yeah, I'll send it to you. It's not stealing if you gave it to me. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Avery. I, I freely give. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, that the haughtiness, uh, you know, the haughty eyes. I mean, you know, a sin's been categorized anyways. The, the what is it? The the pride of life. Um, the lust of the uh, eyes, the lust of the flesh, flesh, and the pride of life. And the pride of life, exactly. And so, you know, you can categorize things. So, yeah, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? And so. Everything that you um, just that, said, Tina, I just have to tell you, everything you just said reminds me of how I felt yesterday that I, when I found out that our current president's uh, campaign knows very well that the opponent's campaign has decided not to uh, go low in terms of you know what they what they have to say about this particular president who is now hospitalized, right, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they literally said on CNN... That even though we know that the Democratic campaign is not going to go low during this sensitive time that the president and his wife are hospitalized, they won't follow the same example. So now we're going to have, you know, one party, you know, uh, just being a little bit more moral than they have to be in a political structure. And the other party saying we're going to continue as normal. And, and, and you're actually you're actually regarding our candidates health more than we are, because we'll do everything we can to get him back into office. And so mm-hmm. everything that you said on that list falls in line mm-hmm. with that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just, um, you know, and I, I think that's always the part that I've lamented regarding uh, the impact of politics on the gospel and the power of Christ. Um, it, it, it's just, uh, I think that that's the thing that breaks my heart the most that, um, people would listen to the politicized version of what's being called God and God's will and be missing out on what's truly um, the heart of God, the will of God, what it means to have a relationship with God. And, and, you know, I, I think that that's, um, you know, it's, it's impossible, but that offenses would come, right. But woe unto the ones by whom they come, you know, it would be better that a millstone is hanged around their neck. Right. Than, than to have uh, be responsible for offending one of these little ones mm-hmm. or those that are young in the faith. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing now. Like there's going to be a, certainly an accounting uh, for those that are using scripture um, and biblical references in ways that are pushing people away from uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and from a desire to be in relationship with God. They are cherry picking scripture in the way and that's the impact you know, of, of some of this cherry picking, uh, that's happening and, and being called, uh, Christianity. Um, you know, and I know Avery has takes issue with that term and I've actually, you know, somewhat have adopted that, uh, because I do hear it thrown around just, 
uh, so flippantly. Don't let this uh, man poison you. Don't let this yeah, man yeah. poison you. No, I'm just... <laughs> no. no I, I think it, I think it's a good I'm distinction joking. I'm because joking. I. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be thrown into that that mix, right? See, you know, oh, I used to sound crazy like seven, eight years ago. Now everybody's yeah. slowly coming to. I notice all y'all starting to make distinctions between Big C and Little C. I mean, I just church. try not to offend. I try. I try yeah. not to offend my co-host. I don't want to come on Avery side. Okay, yeah, I, but, I always but, just. Yeah, I'm just messing with yeah. you. I don't yeah, want to, no, you know, I don't, I, I piss off the listeners. I don't piss off my co-host, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but I think the thing is like when I hear like, and I, I think that that's the challenge. I don't want to be associated with making cherry picking of scripture exactly. and ideology. And, and when I go to try to speak to someone about Yeshua about Christ mm -hmm. um, and me using that term, it all of a sudden gets associated with many, many, many things mm -hmm. and ideas and philosophies and pushes that are not a part of what I believe or uh, what a relationship with uh, Yeshua is about. And, you know, and I think that also goes back to the notion, um, Asia, that you, um, that we had spoken about previously, just, you know, when we start, um, even in taking the whole of scripture and trying to, um, levy the, um, uh, uh, I guess actions of faith and righteousness on people before they have relationship. I think that is very irresponsible and sets people right, up for right. trying to undertake things that it requires the spirit of God for people to walk in and conform. We are asking people to walk in um, certain uh, things and a certain level of faith, and they have no relationship with the God that will enable certain things. I mean, there's things that I do in faith and decisions that I make because I have a relationship with God and know he has my back. And even if I do take those steps that are risky, um, even though I do make those decisions that are countercultural, and that may not be popular that I have God with me and walking with me. Yeah. But do we throw so, up our it, hands? Like, do you have a perspective that we, that we should throw up our hands and say, these people don't know the God that whose, whose um, identity we're associated with. So we shouldn't expect anything from them. Well, I don't think that we throw up our hands, but it, it has to change our tactics, right? That means we're not, we're not on, like, where are we presenting then the gospel? Where are we modeling that gospel then? It's not a throwing up of the hands, but it also means we can't be as lazy as we have been either, which is just, you know, throw a couple scriptures out and think that we checked a box. Like, are we emulating and are we being about our father's business with regard to showing them and walking them through what it means to be in relationship with God. So it's not a throwing up of the hands, uh, but it does mean that we can't be so lazy as to cherry pick, throw yeah. a couple things out and then expect that, you know, people are just gonna, you know, suddenly jump on the bandwagon. Right. Which to, yeah. That's a good point. So that's why I actually wanted to go into this, Tina, because I, I actually think that this discussion and these points that you bring up are, are, are apropos because I don't feel that most of what is going on, and I'll be quite honest, quite most of it is actually about advancing God and his kingdom and his agenda. Uh, it's a, it is a play for power. And when, yes. you know, there's actually a, a political article, you could go back and search it, and it, where it talks about the origins of the religious right and how they felt powerless after Roe v. Wade in the early 70s. And after that, a Supreme Court decision, 
there was a concerted effort to organize and conserve power. Not necessarily, oh, preach the gospel, advance the kingdom, you know, make sure God's agenda goes through the earth. It was never really about that. It was about, hey, we feel like we're losing power. Who? Who is the we, right? Again, who's the we and who is the they? And we need to try to get power. And so you had this whole religious right creation. That's why when, when people try to bring up Republicans from like 100 years ago, it's like it ain't the same Republican Party, no, no. right? It's the same name, but it ain't the same party because there was a concerted effort two generations ago, right, to create this new amalgamous thing called the religious right. So I just wanted to make that distinction there. That's why they'll cherry pick those scriptures that you're mentioning. Yeah. They'll cherry pick the scriptures because there's a there's a dusting of Christianity in there, but it ain't mm. it ain't in the core. It's not in the core of of, of what it is. Um, yeah, and therein lies therein lies the challenge, uh, and the challenge team that you brought it up. It 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 is not necessarily about throwing like oh you know the church is messed up so I'm stepping away or it's like oh Christianity look at all this history ah uh, I'm gonna like go to I'm gonna go to my my ancestral belief system so I'm just gonna be an atheist or throw everything out and or whatever. It's not necessarily about that, but it's more so about like how do you communicate? First, I guess we have to have that certain level of we have to have that enlightenment with enlightenment within us. But then from that, how do you communicate like afresh the the um the good news of salvation? Uh and then also how we can become like more and more sanctified. And how does that look not only just on an individual level, but then on a collective level? What does that look like? And then and then from there, <laughs> in light of like all of like within the context of this fallen world, how do we communicate these things? And we have to get past, we have to develop, at least me, at least me. I realized a while ago I needed to develop the language to communicate this specifically because if I say one thing, people think something completely like else. Oh, well, you know, I don't call myself a Christian. Oh, you must be the, and then they just shut all the way down. And it's like, but I got the keys of life. And if you just listen for eight seconds, you'd be on my side. But we, that's the, that's the challenge that we, that we, that's the challenge that I feel we're fighting in this world with so much information. People are still like they're it's harder to get them to listen to stuff. It's harder for them to, to understand certain things and nuances and, and all of that. So I just wanted to I wanted to say that that's a I think that that's a challenge as we continue to grow and we can develop those tools and, and those 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 capabilities will be able to um, better better equip other people around us to 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 stand during these times and make better decisions. Yeah, that's an important observation. And the answer to your question is because as AJ said, it's about power as opposed to truth. Mm -hmm. And so, but 
So those of us who believe that we're walking in the way of truth or in the direction of truth need to, as, as was mentioned earlier, step back and say, let me assess this environment that I'm in. The environment that I'm in has the larger society and then it has people who take the name that I also claim yes. who are looking for making yes. a power play yes. and then doing something very specific, which is what AJ just brought up. Right. And that is they are saying in the 1970s, because this happened right after Roe Wade, right before the Reagan administration, when uh, when uh, the religious right with Jerry Falwell Sr. and so forth were bringing all of this up, right? The, the model, I mean, the, the, the uh, moral majority and all those people. And so during that time, what they were saying within themselves is we need to get power in this environment. But right. the, but the narrative they were giving everyone else is we need to take this country back for Christ, for Christ. Yes. So, so the regular Dang. person who does not assess what's being said and doesn't look at it with a critical eye will say, Oh yeah, we're taking this back for Christ. And they'll jump on that bandwagon instead of the bandwagon of the elect or the bandwagon of the remnant who are only going after the things of God and not this whole power thing. So let's, as we come around third base, let's. I, I want to show everybody who's listening something, and I hope that you go back and take a look at it yourself. I want to show just two passages of scripture because it's human nature, it's human tendency um, that whenever God appears, whenever God, and you can see that the the bad habit all throughout scripture, God does something dope, He does something amazing, whatever it is, and then in our limited and finite intellect, we try to continue it on. With natural means. Correct. And this is what, what Paul writes to the Philippians in Galatians 3. He says, why are you being so foolish? Why would you start something in the spirit and then try to, con and try to continue it or finish it with natural means? It's impossible, mm -hmm. right? That's Galatians 3. If you guys are feeling, feeling springy, you can go read that yourself. Now, I want to show you something. Some of the... Mo, you know, some of the, the, the guys that you would think, if you think anybody wouldn't be susceptible to this, right, you would think, well, maybe not the, the disciples, maybe not these cats that walked with the Most High, right, who literally walked with the Messiah on the earth. They wouldn't be susceptible to this, right, because they saw this cat walk on water. They, they saw him raise the dead, right? They saw him resurrect, for God's sake. Nope, 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 nope. You know what they said in Acts chapter one to the risen Christ? This is post-resurrection, by the way, folks. Acts chapter one. They literally ask the resurrected Christ, hey, so when are you gonna give the kingdom back to Israel? They still were looking for political power after he just rose from the dead. Not like, yo, wait a minute. We, <laughs> what, can we still go into this resurrection thing? No, they're, they're still looking for political power. Yeah, so when are you going, what they were asking is, when are you going to get us from underneath this Roman oppression, right? It's like, yeah, that resurrection stuff is cute, but I'd rather have political power. Mm. That's how enticing political power is, that you could be staring in the face of the resurrected Lord and still ask for political power. Wow. Like for me, like that's crazy when you think about that context. So why why am I saying that? This is not to so demonize. Why would, we, why, would be, why would we be any different a exactly, hundred generations 100, later? Exactly. So it's not to demonize church leaders or to demonize the religious right. It's to show that they are susceptible to something that we have all been susceptible to throughout all of human history. And it is the substituting of spiritual power or heavenly power, whatever you want to call it, for earthly power. 
that is our Achilles heel. We want earthly power, right? In the Garden of Eden, this the enemy tells Adam, you will be like God. Substitute what you have now for this other earthly sourced thing, right? That's what we have to make sure that we are steering clear of. We got to steer clear of that because it's very enticing. It's tied to mammon because it deals with power, right? Nobody worships money because they want green paper. They want the money for the things that it can get them and the places it can put them, right? Mammon. I just want to throw that out there because we're going to, I think we're going to go a little further into this because all of the different uh, positions, quote unquote, that um, Christians in general will take. And, you know, we're, we're using that term loosely. Mm. Um, whether it's sexuality that we touched on, whether it's political power or political position, um, whether you're talking about injustice and racial tensions, I think that there are a lot of different positions that the culture and the society at large assumes that believers have without kind of digging any deeper to, to, and believers as well. Why do we have that position, right? Am I just taking this position to be part of the quote-unquote in crowd, right? All the other folks that I roll with in my social circle have this position, so I am going to take this same position, right? And we could go down, and and we are going to go down. I mean, why do you think God is against abortion? Ask the average believer. They'll, They'll say it. Oh, God hates abortion. Why do you believe that? The Bible doesn't talk about abortion. The Bible actually gives stories where God tells people to go and slaughter an entire nation, including including women and children. And he calls out children specifically. You telling me God is hating. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I just want you to explain to me why. Mm -hmm. That's all. And that's what we cannot do right now. Right. Another thing we can't do, AJ, is look at the history of the church and when the church decided that abortion was sinful. Right. We assume that everything is, the perspective has always been as it is now, instead of going back to the times around Roe, right. when the church was actually divided on an issue that we now consider Facts. Uh, straightforward. Right. Facts. And I mean, and we could go through these piece by piece by piece. Why do you demonize the homosexual, but you still befriend the fornicator and the adulterer, where the Bible tells you, don't even have dinner with them cats. Let's, I mean, let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Why are we allowing these fornicators and adulterers to parade through our church meetings when the Bible gives us specific direction on how to deal with these people? And on and on and on and on and on. So I would you know, encourage everyone, don't take this as a personal attack. I would encourage you. Peter tells us one thing. And, um, in Peter, it says that you have to have an answer, right, for question, when people question your faith. You must have an answer for these things. Now, you might not have an answer for everything, but I would encourage you to go investigate why you think you have the certain positions on certain topics. And in Jude, it says, examine your faith. Examine yourself to see if you still be in the faith. You have to continue to examine, why do I have this position on whatever the topic is? Why do I always vote Republican? Why? Why do I always vote Democratic? Why? Why do I feel this way about women? Why? I mean, we just on and on and on and on and on. But people say women can't be in leadership. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. Why do you believe that? Just tell me why. We can't, right? <laughs> and so on and so forth. So those are ideological ideals, right? Based upon a particular social circle. 
that came to cultural conclusions and then, like Tina said earlier, let's cherry pick some scriptures to try to validate our point and then because we have the majority, we're going to tell you this is the way it's supposed to be and that is that. I'm going to end with this one little story here because I feel like I've been talking too much now so I want to stop. Um, my daughter, you, you guys know we homeschool our children or at least we're homeschooling two of them now. One is in a college prep program. Um, and my youngest daughter, so she um, was putting together, it's a, my youngest is in first grade and it's a Christian homeschool co-op that we're a part of. And so one of the little cutouts they have to do, you know, cutting and gluing crap together, they're in first grade. I mean, they, you know, y'all know they're not doing no real work. Shout out to the, everybody listening, y'all doing real work. But the, the title of the little worksheet was, Who is My Pastor?, now, I love engaging my children on this stuff because my children, we don't go to institutional church. You, you guys know. But when things like this pop up, I just love to see what my kids' minds go. I've, I've had these kinds of discussions with my older children, and now the, the youngest one's coming up. And so she had a little worksheet that said, uh, who is my pastor, right? So I just looked at it. I was like, mm. I saw it one morning when I was getting ready to leave to go to work, and I came back, right? So when I came back home, it was done, and my name was on there, and my face. Wow. I was, I was super-duper encouraged, right? I was like, yo. And I asked my wife. She was like, yeah. And once my daughter understood what that was, mm. she said, oh, yeah, this, this is daddy. And I thought, wow. Mm. Now, for those of you listening, that might be an offense to you. That might be an offense to you. But again, why do you believe that? Why do you believe some other man's voice should be louder in the minds of your children you than yours? About Willis? Why do we have that position? Like, that is not the way the Bible instructs us. So again, those are ideological points of view. Like that, even just something as small, it's not small, but it's, you know, something like that. Mm. That's an ide- That's actually not a spiritual point of view. Mm. That is ideological. Not, I think the word you're probably looking for is innocuous. Ooh, oh, y'all using big words today. First haughty, now innocuous. Yeah, I, it, Talk to us, oh, preacher. That just means like seemingly harmless. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw that out there, guys. We're, we're going to go a lot deeper into these thoughts. And listen, if we have offended you, listen, faithful are the wombs of a brother. All right? We are not here to demonize anybody, but we want you to look at some of these things a little deeper and ask yourselves why you have the positions on matters that you do. All right. So, listen, we thank you all for rocking with us, um, sticking with us for all these years. We really do appreciate everybody listening. Again, we have a Telegram group. Hit us up and we can get you in. Um, And we're going to get better on social because a sizzles on social. So I might start adding him now. We might start adding the brother. (laughs) Anyway, for Eve and Tina and Avery. Oh, man, I got to get my sounds together. I I, got to get better with this, y'all. I got new equipment in here. Keep on stalling. Keep on stalling. Yeah, I know. I got to keep stalling. Thank you. Y'all know how it is. We thank y'all for rocking with us. Peace. Peace, everyone. They the ones who done left the yard When they come in Sunday rep hard Sit on no fun in their squad There they go, they the sons of God They the ones who done left the yard When they come in Sunday rep hard Sit on no fun in their squad There they go, they the sons of God uh, We walk into the end of the age It's more than just